You are now listening to the Take Chances podcast, the number one business podcast for young people looking to learn about tech, culture, and people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and rate us five stars. Take Chances. All right, welcome in. This is episode three of the Take Chances podcast. I am your host, Chance Mack. And here on the Take Chances podcast, we talk about three things, tech, culture, and people. So today, I am extremely excited to bring to you all not only a family friend, uh, but Melissa Nixon is everything that you could imagine in terms of being a, prof- a business professional, HR executive. Um, Melissa is an executive coach. Um, she's a chief of staff or a presidential candidate. Um, I could go on and on about Melissa, um, extremely impressive woman. And Melissa, do we just take a second to introduce yourself and say hello to the audience? Hey, everybody. Listen, Chance, you just did it. I am so excited to be here today on this podcast. So this is needed and so much more um, is needed in this season right now. But yeah, you said it. I am an HR executive. I've been um, leading and working alongside executives for just about most of my career, um, which has led me to the role that I'm in now. And, you know, coaching, uh, authoring books, just trying to help people all people, not just executives, mm-hmm. um, be their best selves and learn how to, you know, get out of, as we all do, get out of our own way at certain points in time. So absolutely. And I forgot the author aspect and I actually read your book, Courageous Life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I read it a that's few years ago. Them, but yeah, that's, that was the first one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, so tell me, how many books have you written? Gosh, I think I'm on like four now. <laughs> wow. Wow. See, when I told y'all about maybe 70 to go. <laughs> 70. Wow. See, um, when I told y'all, Melissa is just everything that you can imagine and everything you could want and just a professional businesswoman. I, I just speak so highly of her because I'm, you know, a fan. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to start today's episode off with the quote of the day. And this quote comes from the legendary Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. And the quote is, your legacy is being written by yourself, so make the right decisions. I'll say it one more time. Your legacy is being written by yourself, so make the right decisions. All right? That one's pretty straightforward. So in the past, I've always came with a deep business quote, and everybody's like, Chance, like, you know, that took me 30 minutes just to understand exactly what you're talking about. But this one is very straightforward. So um, your legacy is being written by yourself, make the right decisions, right? So with that being said, uh, Melissa, let me just open it up like this. What do you want your legacy to be? Oh, wow. I love it. Um, It's interesting because I think about that in everything I do, actually, Mm -hmm. you know, um, every role that I've ever had. I've been out of corporate for a long time, but Mm -hmm. when I was in corporate as an entrepreneur, every setting I go into, I I want, I think about what is the legacy and the legacy isn't for me about mortality, you know, Mm -hmm. of when I die, but when I'm no longer in that position and I've moved on to the next thing that God has called me to, what will people be, what I, what will I be remembered by? Mm -hmm. I'm not dead. I've just moved on to the next, but what will my wake be, you know, that I left behind? Will it be remembered fondly? Will it have made an impact? Will I have disrupted some things? Like, what are those types of things? Like, I, I, I firmly do not believe in just existing. So Absolutely. whatever you do, you know, it's just like, wh- wh- what, what am I here for? What I want to make sure that the purpose 
that I was sent for um, was beyond fulfilled, was mm. beyond fulfilled. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's, that's deep. And I, I appreciate you just sharing that. So I want to get into your background a little bit and mm-hmm. um, talk a little bit about how you grew up and then we'll get into your career path and, and what you do today. So uh, I know a little bit about your story because I, I know you personally, but mm-hmm. tell us um, about how you grew up. Yeah. So I actually, it's funny that I, I'm in this. I actually grew up in Virginia mm-hmm. where I met your mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I always forget about that because, you know, uh, I've known her to be in Atlanta for so long now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually met in Virginia, which is where I was born and raised in Hampton Roads, Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, 757, anybody out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and went to school in Virginia, University of Virginia, so I'm a Cavalier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I've lived in a couple of other places, Charlotte, North Carolina. Now I'm in Houston, uh, Texas. And um, really just grew up like, you know, a lot of the other people, you know, having fun in school, trying to figure out what I wanted to be in life, doing life. And mm-hmm. um, I, as I was um, coming home from college, you know, just wanting to make the right decisions, you mm-hmm. know, wanting to make the right decisions and do, um, I've always been somewhat of a old soul, you know, mm-hmm. so um, my path was always kind of, you know, fast forwarded, you know, similar to what I see many of the millennials and now coming into Gen Z, um, doing now, you know, mm-hmm. just coming out of college, running stuff, doing, yeah, it, you know, absolutely. So that was me, you know, back in the day, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I could tell, about, you know, <laughs> thinking about things like home ownership and, you know, all of that, you know, um, and, and wanting to make just solid decisions um, from day one. You know, I always, um, I think I want to say ever since I was in high school or college, I've always been about budgeting. You know, Mm. my friends used to always tease me because they used to have this this Excel spreadsheet that I would just look at, you know, rearrange my little money, you know, my little pennies back when I was, before I even had a career. Mm -hmm. So just trying to do the best thing that I can in life so that I wouldn't have to look back and have, um, have mistakes to learn from or lessons mm-hmm. to learn from um, that I'd seen, you know, some do in performing. Yeah, absolutely. And you talked about a huge thing that we talk about a lot on Take Chances podcast, and that's budgeting and just kind of, I want to have a whole episode tailored to, towards budgeting and yes. especially budgeting as a young person, because yes. like that quote said, the decisions you make today will affect your legacy in the future. So, mm-hmm. um, how do you budget today? Let me ask you that. Like, do you use apps or do you, are you still using that Excel spreadsheet? <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing that today? Right. Yeah, I haven't, I've used a couple of apps. I haven't really navigated to, to financial apps um, okay. as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, multiple accounts for different things. Um, I want to, all. you know, it's my, my, my friends always say you embezzling money. I'm like, no, I'm not. I have an account for this, uh-huh. an account for that, you know, because I always want to, yeah. I remember this is one of the first lessons I learned a long time ago. My family and I, we didn't do a lot of traveling when mm. I grew up because finances were tight. It was just like, you know, we weren't going to Disney World and, you know, yeah. all of that. And um, I lived in Virginia Beach, so we would go to the beach and stuff and we would go visit family, take the Greyhound to Delaware back, you know, um, when, yeah. when that was a thing. Um, but I remember, gosh, I was in. I was in my early 20s. I think I just started my career um, and it w- we were wanted to go on a cruise. 
And mm-hmm. that was the first time, you know, for me prior to that point, it was the first time that um, I realized, oh, everything is manageable and doable if you just save for it, you know? Absolutely. I just thought like, oh, we're not doing these things because we don't have. And yeah. it wasn't necessarily, we are, everyone has, everyone yeah. has. It's just yeah. a matter of what you do with it, right? Yeah. And so I remember that year, and it was right after like 9-11 or something like that, um, mm-hmm. where cruises were really cheap. But, you know, I put money aside um, and took my mom and I, you know, on our very first, you know, cruise that we had ever been wow. on. And it was just, it, that was my biggest lesson. Like, okay, you can do that if you do it, you know, consistently over time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when my mom turned 60, um, mm-hmm. I surprised her with the trip to Hawaii. Um, wow. And that year I ate like bread and water, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we did it. And it's yeah. just, you know, when you say like, how do I, how do I budget now? And I look at, you know, what I do, it's you, everything you can plan for everything, you know, Absolutely. all of the expenses that, you know, everything, you know, yeah. you know, you're going to have to get tires for your car. Yeah. Why wait? And then you'd be like, oh man, I got to drop 500, $800,000 on tires. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. So take some of the Starbucks money, put it in a tire account, and make it happen. <laughs> you speak. You speaking to me right now because I need some new tires. <laughs> you preaching to me right now, like yeah, I'm, like, you know, oh, I'm here. Of yeah. living life now and preparing for your future. Absolutely. You know, many people, whatever the age group, from mm-hmm. Gen Z to the baby boomers, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's many people want to be able to live in the moment, live their best life, you know, mm-hmm. do all the things, post it for the gram, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like. Um, but at the same time, it's the balance of doing that and also preparing. You know, Absolutely. I remember one of my friends, because um, I've always been, a, I love traveling, love, love, mm-hmm. love traveling. And one of my, um, actually my, one of my college friends, my college roommate, you know, she said one time, like, how in the world, like, are you going, are you, you're, you're going to Jamaica, you're going here, you're going there. But, you know, it's just like, and it was just eye opening her, eye opening for her. I was just like, I'm, I saved for it. It's not like I'm yeah. rolling in the dough. It's not yeah. like I'm just waking up one day and being like, let's get on this flight, you know, especially back yeah. then when I, you know, 10, 20, 10, 10, 15 years ago. I was saving for it. I was mm-hmm. saving for it. And just, you know, at the so, beginning of the year, where do I want to go now? Where do I want to go this year? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's good advice, you know, just about saving, you know, and, and it's very practical, right? It's something that, you know, a lot of people overlook, right? And they think that these trips basic, and traveling is, yeah. it's not rocket science. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, 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 you can be out here in the most designer, everything, you know, and yep. look like it. And if you can do both, be designer and travel and, you know, decorate your home and do all of this stuff, by all means, do it all. But something yeah. at some point, well, you'll have to sacrifice. Man, Melissa, if we were to cut the interview right there, I feel like, you know, that is a nugget for uh, my audience to really listen to, right? Those last mm-hmm. five to 10 minutes where you're talking about saving and just, you know, budgeting, just that whole concept of it. If you could just mm-hmm. study that, you'll do light years for your yeah studying studying is definitely something that people can do Mm -hmm. but even even better than studying is practicing it and doing it with consistency yeah doing it with consistency you know like 
um, when you look back over, you know, time over the course of the year, you can, you can, uh, so for me, what I hate is having missed opportunity, mm. right? And be like, and, and, and realizing if I had taken micro steps, mm. I would have, I would have had a much bigger outcome. Yeah. Like, man, you know, it's like, you'll see, you'll hear people talk about, you could have saved, you know, how many ever thousands or even millions of dollars um, over time, if you had started saving this much since college, mm. you know, and it could be, and the thing about it is, it seems so small. You're like, that ain't going to make a difference. So I'm going to use that $50 for something else. Yeah. But then you realize, wait, $50 a week, even a month, you know, whether, whether that's $600 for the year and you start doing some stuff with it, it makes, you know, it's, it's studying, but practicing with consistency. Practice. That's the thing. Absolutely. It's doing Practice. it. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we're going to shift gears and talk a little bit about your career path. Um, yeah. You know, so talk to me about, you know, your first opportunity in HR or just kind of how you started your career. Did you have a lot of odd jobs that that equaled out to, you know, you starting in, in HR or did, mm -hmm. did you go to college, then go to HR? Kind of talk to me about your, your start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny um, that you that you that you mentioned that. So I didn't really have odd jobs but at the time and it probably still is hard to get into i'm not sure hr was hard to get into you know because mm -hmm. you especially when you're 21 22 coming experience. out of college <laughs> age old <laughs> you don't have any experience right yeah and so um what i would do is start temping i started mm -hmm. you know like there were some there was a local, um, I don't think like a local catalog company. And mm -hmm. I worked at, I worked seasonal in their HR department. Um, but I, you know, I was young enough that I could do that. Right. Um, yeah. And then I took on a HR temp opportunity, I think as in recruiting or something. Mm -hmm. um, this is before I went to grad school, which turned into a full-time position. Um, and then I had the opportunity to go to grad school. And so okay. one of the areas of HR that I love, and that's my background, um, is org development. I love, mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely love org development and um, working with senior leaders and to you know, execute change across the company. Um, mm -hmm. But I, And I found out about it in grad school. So that ended up being my concentration. And I took a yeah. break from I took a break from HR um, to go to grad school full time just because they were paying my tuition and I could work at the school and go to school and, you know, all of that stuff. And so that was a, a, like a two, two and a half year break. Um, and then it was time for me to get back into my field. And the timing was perfect because we were transitioning and going through a layoff. And I remember I started looking for opportunities um, and I was open to relocating, but it had never really you know, across my mind. I was born and raised in Virginia, you know, I never really thought about leaving. Um, and I started applying for jobs in other places. And I remember um, I got a call from um, a company in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'd been there once and I loved it. And, you know, the rest is history. And so I remember I was, gosh, I felt so young at the time. And um, my, my literally walking into that position I remember my boss saying, okay, you have a meeting with the CIO, you know, next, next week, he's having a team retreat, leadership retreat at his house, and you need to go facilitate it. 
and I, I I felt like the ink on my degree was still wet. My stuff was still <laughs> on a moving truck, you know, and it was just, you know, just one of those experiences, but you know, I felt prepared for it, but I also felt so very new and, and so, mm. very, so very green. Um, but that was, you know, a good amount of time ago. And um, here we are now. I've had, yeah. I was with that company, that retailer. Um, it was a retailer across the um, East Coast. <clears throat> and I was with them for, I don't know, close to 10 years. Um, but wow. I've always had an itch for entrepreneurship. I've always been mm -hmm. about ownership, whether it's been in business and property, you know. And so when I took on the role, I never saw myself, oh, let me just stay here for the rest of my life and I'll retire and life will be good. Um, I, I wanted to go out, you know, on my own. And my prayer chance has always been, God, never let me stay um, in a position longer than what I'm supposed to, but never let me, never let me leave before it's my time, you know, hmm. because we can get antsy and just be like, I don't like it here. I'm out, you know, but maybe your yeah. assignment there isn't finished yet, you know, or yeah. say that, say that one more time, say that one more time. The prayer. Never yeah. Let, yeah. The prayer. Yeah. Never let me stay. Never let me leave. Ne never let me leave before. Never let me stay longer than what I'm supposed to. Never let me leave before it's my time, you know, wow. because many people, millions of people right now, you know, are in the positions they're in because they're comfortable. It's what they know. Mm. It's what they do. Um, and I would try to, I would beg to differ if it's the thing that God is, has purpose for them to do, mm -hmm. but it's just like, okay, let me go get a check this week. Got to provide for my family, you know, but then there are things that people feel aligned to. And I've always been big on that, you know? So, um, whether it was a role within the company, you know, it's not necessarily mm -hmm. always about leaving the company, but I just never wanted to be in something just because it's just what people do is what, you know, I'm comfortable, you know, all of that. Yeah. So, so Melissa, um, I want to, I want to mm -hmm. stay on that, that topic of, you know, corporate and entrepreneurship. So, yeah. you know, right now we're in 2020 and it's an uncertain job market right now. It's, you know, millions of jobs have been lost. Some are coming back, but it's just still uncertain. So mm -hmm. a lot of people are trying to transition out of corporate America to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Any advice that you would give to my audience around just your transition from corporate to entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, don't quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> don't quit your okay. job. You know, entrepreneur. So first of all, don't pay attention to social media. You know, mm. all of your friends that will make the, make the leap, make the jump and they make it look so glamorous. And there is a yeah. lot of benefits to entrepreneurship. It is, um, but just like anything else, you got to put in the work, you got to put in the time. Um, and it's a whole different skill set other than corporate, you know, mm. you know, you're, you're in sales. So, or you have been in sales at some point in your career. Mm -hmm. And so you're used to people, you know, telling, you no, and you figured out how to, mm -hmm. mo most people don't have that level of background or tenacity or perseverance to deal with rejection, yeah. you know? And so, um, I would say for people that are considering that, if they are still working right now, build while you work, build while you work, you know, like it doesn't necessarily have to be this hard leap, um, you know, that you do. And like all of a sudden you turn on your notice and now you're just out here uh, and you don't have a way to provide for your family or even for yourself. Um, and I get it, you know, 
Um, but I, I have come across a lot of people. We were just on, on the campaign trail and met so many entrepreneurs that had full full-time jobs. You know, we wanna, we stopped into a local business, amazing, beautiful nail, um, hair and nail shop in, in the heart of downtown, one of the cutest areas in Minneapolis. And I'm thinking this is what she does full-time. Come to find out, she has another full-time job. This was her, mm-hmm. and it was more than a side hustle because they had a full brick and mortar client servicing, but it just goes to show that you can do both. And yeah. not that you have to do both all the time, but many people will look at what others are doing and get a sense of excitement, get a sense of passion. And they're like, I'm just about to do this, you know, without really preparing for the move because, and not saying that you can't ever go back. Cause that was one thing. That was the thing that helped me to make the leap, which was realizing mm-hmm. if it don't work, if I don't like it, I go get a job, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, that was the thing. Prepare, prepare while you are working. Don't wait until you get to your wits end, you know, to feel like I just can't take anymore. I'm, I'm turning my notice now, you know? Um, yeah. And then for those that are already um, either looking for employment or you're not working right now, considering entrepreneurship, or maybe you already took the leap um, uh, uh, in, a, in a quick way. Listen, now is the time. Even there, there have been more there have been so many businesses known businesses that have started during a during a crisis during an economic downturn you know um that don't feel like oh you know people have made more money in the last six months um than they have you know prior to i was reading the testimonial on um and one of a in a facebook group the other day and the woman was just talking about she's made more money in these last six months than she has in the last two years so don't let the economy deter you um, and, or stump your Absolutely. stump your ideas. Absolutely. So um, I was talking to one of my good friends. Um, he's out of San Francisco. He works in tech as well. And he talks about, um, he just started with a new startup selling uh, COVID testing. And he talked about how their business went from zero to 10 million in six months. So, you know, the money is out here. Um, mm-hmm. It's just about shifting your business and putting your business in position mm-hmm. to receive it right yeah um so you talked about a little bit about the campaign trail so introduce us to not only your role as the chief of staff but Mm -hmm. the candidate you're supporting as well yep 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 so i am um chief of staff for um a presidential candidate her name is jade simmons she's an african-american woman uh out of houston um and she started running for president in january um, of this year. And so we've been campaigning for the last 10 months. Um, it's definitely been a journey um, and mm-hmm. caused quite a stir. Um, but I would never, I would n- not want to be anywhere else in my life doing anything but this um, than wow. supporting her and watching um, us do what we know we're supposed to do. Um, no matter, despite mm-hmm. what people think, we've, you know, we've gotten all kinds of um, you're funded by Trump. You're just trying to, you're working for Trump. You know, um, I mean, the, the, the rhetoric has been absolutely ridiculous. You're just trying to split the vote, you know, yeah. and all of it, you know, is far farthest from the truth. Uh, but people don't know that um, unless you get to know her and, and the campaign and, and do, do the research. Absolutely. So, um, you know, that's really powerful. And, and for you, 
for Jade to just be a African-American woman, she's making history, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, when you're making history, a lot of people, you know, always have something to say. So um, yeah, I commend yeah. you all for, I commend you all for, you know, taking that leap of faith um, and in just advancing just the idea of a black woman becoming president. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so okay. talk to me a little, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say even more, um, than a black woman becoming president, which would be that that in itself is going to be amazing, but it is mm-hmm. disrupting a two party system that isn't working for itself. You know, mm. it's it's you know providing an option to the millions, providing a real option, right? So there was just an article that came out um, by the BBC on her uh, that said that over 1200 independent candidates have filed, you know, to be president. Now, um, I would say, you know, the majority of them aren't serious. Um, they just do yeah. it just to, just to be doing it. Um, but they, they featured three, one of them, one of them was her, but it's providing, you know, that an option to a system in which millions of voters go to the polls, feeling like they always have to vote between the lesser of two evils. And so, uh, you know, I, I, this is, I am not, my background is, is um, not in politics. My background is in leadership. My background is in supporting executives and supporting women leaders um, to, to do the thing that they're supposed to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so watching this year unfold has been shocking. (laughs) Um, I, I can call it so many, so many other things, but to really see on the front lines the media only paint, paint a picture of what what they want to paint mm. realizing learning that all of the media that we watch you know we see it because people are paying them to show it to us yeah. you know the networks are paid by either major you know people are like why don't i know about her why where is she you know why is she on the media well that's because the when you're watching cnn or MSNBC or Fox or whatever, they're paid by one of these parties, major parties, to show what they want them to show, you know? And when you come up against someone who is a real disruptor Mm -hmm. um, and and a a true competition, um, of course, it's going to be a a, a shutout, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, They, you know, most people can't conceive um, of a win of an independent candidate because it's never happened before. Mm. Um, but we have to look at so much in 2020 has never happened before. You know, when, when we shut down in mid-March, the whole country, many of us, mom included, my mom included, never been through anything like that before. You know, when the whole world stopped, when George Floyd died and literally riots erupted worldwide, Mm. you know, a social justice movement began worldwide first time we've ever experienced anything like that so at this point even with a little less than three weeks before the election um anything's bound to happen but i it's just amazing to watch and see you know what what the reality is um behind all the systems absolutely so you touched on a little bit about um george floyd and just the the worldwide um protest in relation to his his death and his murder right 
Um, so talk about in your, you're in Houston. So, you know, George Floyd is from Houston. So talk a little bit about social justice and what young people can do to be a part of the change that they want to see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one, one of the things that I remember, um, well, let me back up and just say, um, that moment, like we all know, uh, systemic racism and racism is real. Mm. You know, we, we know it, we've seen it, we've experienced it. Um, my heart, every time um, something happens, um, especially for our black men, my heart goes out to those who are like my nephews, like you, mm-hmm. um, who I'm just like, my God, you know? Um, in that moment, I just, even, even to think about it now, we were just in Minneapolis and had a chance to go um, to the memorial site where it happened and to look in the eyes of that police officer's face, um, cause I did watch the video, but to, to that, that look, I will never, I'll never forget it. I'll mm-hmm. never forget it. Um, and so the one thing that I think about now, um, you know, because we take things from different generations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with millennials and Gen Z, um, the, the one thing that I love about you, that generation is y'all are disruptors. Like y'all will, like forget what what we're supposed to be doing i'm about to just go do this you know yeah and i absolutely love it um but the other thing you said what that's a gift and a curse it's a gift and a curse (laughs) yeah that 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 is what i want to talk about it's a gift and a curse Mm. you know so when i think about um the civil rights movement you know um that lasted it lasted for years it lasted for years Mm-hmm. And so um, there was organization to it. There was leadership to it. Um, and so that would be the thing that I would think about now is what is our, what is our galvanizing look like as a, as a community? You know, how do we, you know, the thing, the thing now is um, I feel like in that movement, people were willing to be led, yeah. you know, um, it didn't always have to be about let me not saying this is what why people do it because people are absolutely have the they just trying to figure out what's the what's the solution Mm -hmm. but if we have one million solutions how do they all begin to start working for themselves you know so i remember we were like a week into the riots back in june and i saw an insta story that said the civil rights movement lasted and it had like the years you know Mm -hmm. from from this year to this year and it was like you know close, I can't even remember now the exact amount of years, but it was more than, you know, let's just go march in the streets um, yeah. for it. And then the other thing that I would say is um, in addition to like organizing and galvanizing and ha- building the momentum of a, of a powerful movement um, is to not settle for symbolism. Mm. To not settle for symbolism. You know, um, so it, it was, it's great that corporations were going back and looking at, you know, why have we allowed Aunt Mama to be on, on the shelves for this long? Why have we allowed Uncle Ben to be, you know, a part adding to the systemic racism mm-hmm. um, Character. caricature you know, for so long? And so 
to change it, that's great. Yeah. But does that really change the system or, or does that change the outward face of the system? You know, so um, I would say to, you know, we all have to, and it's not just what, a, what my advice to you in your network, but also for us, um, just what does that look like? How do we, you know, <laughs> I feel like we've been marching a long time. Mm. We've, we've been marching a long time. They just had what the 70th, that 75th, what was the in Washington? Yeah, yeah, I remember. I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the, the years, but it, I yeah, know it, was, it was like the, you know, the March on Washington. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the anniversary that recently and you know, everyone went and we, we marched and, you know, we, we galvanized there. Um, but I just, what, how does, what does that translate into? What yeah. does that translate into? Yeah. So, you know, I have a painting of, of Martin Luther King in my house. And I, one of the key things that I think separates Martin Luther King from some of our leaders of today is uh, Martin Luther King was, uh, he was enforcing legislation to be changed, right? Like, you know, we talk about, you know, voter suppression. We can only imagine what that was like, you know, 50, 60 years ago in the Jim Crow era, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to get um, African-Americans are just all minorities, people who are not, you know, white men, uh, the ability to vote um, is huge, right? And, you mm -hmm. know, that's something that's systemic change that has advanced uh the movement and it allows for Jade to, to have the platform that she has today. Right. right, right. Um, so that's, I think what we need to, as young people start um, thinking about how can we affect uh, long lasting change? But the only way that we can do that is to get that on the books and that's through legislation. Yep. Through so, legislation. <laughs> yep. So um, Melissa, I, I want to kind of circle the conversation back into um, just your career as an executive coach and as a, as a leadership coach, right? So talk to me a little bit about um, what you do for the business community and what you do for um, women leaders and, and minority leaders. Yeah, yeah. You know, so as I mentioned earlier, my background is in org development. Um, many of, much of that was spent doing change management and working alongside senior leaders. So um, I found, you know, as you go, go, go and grow through your career, you find that there are certain areas of it um, that you like the most, um, and, um, tend to get, um, resonate towards, um, and working with women leaders was definitely one of the areas that I absolutely love just because there is so much discrepancy, you know, between, um, pay between roles, you know, especially for my corporate women. And so I'll never forget, um, the first time I was promoted to a, a director, um, in my corporate career, it just, you know, my, it, it, the experiences are just different. I remember I wasn't, I don't even know if I was given a job description, you know, for my role. It was just like, here you go. We give you this money. We give you whatever. Um, and then, uh, make it happen. I, you said what? Make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. Make yeah. it happen. It was just like, how do you, how is that setting someone up for success? Right. Right. So, um, and then I remember other times, you know, for me, I always said there was never a class um, to prepare me when I was in college of how to be a young black woman in corporate America, you know, how to make money in corporate America, you know, 
oh, that you can negotiate your salary. You can really ask for like 50% more than what they're offering you. And, you know, see, uh, the answer is either going to be yes or no. Like there was never anyone um, that told me that when I was younger and there was never anyone kind of reaching back to say, hey, I know you're going for this interview, but here's what you need to do when you, you, you negotiate your salary. Now, you know, we all have networks now and people and friends that can, can help and colleagues that can help, but I didn't have that. And so many of my things, many of my situations were lessons that I had to learn. And I just remember wanting to teach other women. I just remember what it felt like when I reached certain levels and not like I had like, my boss wasn't um, looking at me saying and coaching, my boss wasn't coaching me, you know, how to enter into to rooms, I, you know, and, and the experience that most women have, especially black women, as you reach those levels, I remember going into the room, guess what? We the only one, you know, um, or one of few, but most of the time for me, I was, you know, I, I was just abs the absolute standout. I was the youngest. Um, and still I'm like, even, even now I'm like, why am I still always the youngest? <laughs> so I was the youngest. I was the only woman, the only black, the only this, the only that. And it was just learning how to deal with it on my own. And I wanted to mm. be able to help women, um, women leaders, women executives be able to just walk in that room and own that thing, man. Like Joker, you belong there. You belong Absolutely. there. And here's how you own the confidence. And and to, I guess, bring alignment with the external positioning. So yes, you're there, but how do you how do you walk in and one, not only look the part, but know that you're supposed to be there, but know that you add value. Um, how to deal with when people feel like you're, you know, make you feel like you're not adding value or try to just talk over you or just all the things that come with corporate politics and helping helping to navigate that I, I I'll never forget one of the things and you know even with all the the titles that we get as we gain through through our career I remember one of my um clients had just been promoted to a VP you know and so as you grow in your career you start getting promoted into other other functional areas that are outside of your sweet spot so she mm -hmm. had a career in HR but now all of a sudden she was leading um, a team in a huge budget over operations and, and she felt like a fish out of water. So most of our time in the beginning, um, we, spent, we spent help redirecting exactly why she was hired for that role and working on her confidence that you're gonna be great at this job just for the simple fact of here's why they hired you. You don't have to know all of operations. They hired you for these reasons. Here's what you need to do more of. And then um, being able to allow your team who are the experts in it, you know, handle the other parts of it. But here's why, you know, so it's making all of those um, connectivity points and mindset and how we show up and how we think. So that's just been a huge um, passion for mine. Because here's one thing I know, Chance, is when, when men and women own that confidence, the whole game changes. Mm. the whole game changes the mo the longer we sit in insecurity the longer we sit second guessing you know the less powerful we have to show up in that moment the le less powerful we are in that moment you know Absolutely. it's just one of those things of you can sit in that moment 
and wonder what are they thinking about me? What if I say the wrong thing? Or, you know, what if it's not right? You can, all that mental energy mm-hmm. versus, and, and, it, and, and, and it's different. What, I'm not saying that white men don't go through it, but it don't go through it as much. You know, um, we will talk ourselves out of something. We will talk ourselves out of not applying for a job because we don't have the second master's degree, you know, versus some joker is got a GED and he like, listen, let me go and be the VP of this thing, right? Yeah. You know, why can't that be us? Why right. can't that be us? You know, right. And it's so true. Confidence, confidence is key. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when I first started in tech, you know, um, I wish I would have thought about you and just kind of uh, reaching out to you for some executive coaching or just some leadership coaching in general, yeah. because, mm-hmm. you know, when I first got into tech, um, I, I experienced some of the same things. I was the only, I was the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, I was learning a new skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as I started to learn, I start, my confidence started to go down and go down because I was just a fish out of water, right? It wasn't yeah. my, what I was most comfortable with. Um, and so then I started, you know, to take on the imposter syndrome. Like, why am I here? You know, I don't, you know, all these different things. Um, but through being broken down to the core, you know, I feel like I, I found myself, right? And I, I rose from the ashes like a phoenix. And, you know, now I'm able to, to speak, um, uh, in an, a way that's authentic to me um, and be a voice for my community, educate and expose my community to opportunity. Um, I feel like that's my purpose and my passion. Mm-hmm. And now I'm able to, you know, expose or um, show younger people that, you know, you can be yourself, you can be authentic and have confidence and be strategic, be a strategic leader. Um, and so I appreciate you, you know, sharing that advice, but then also, you know, just being um who you are to the community, right? Who you are to these women leaders, who you are to minority leaders. So I appreciate the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't, I can't see myself. I feel like no matter what I do in life, right? Mm-hmm. I, whatever aspect of my career, that part of it will always be a part of it. You know, I could go say I'm gonna start. I'm gonna go start a, a a a bar in Jamaica and just go live on the beach. I'm still gonna be out there talking to the talking to the uh, tourists. Like, what you doing with your life? You know, <laughs> how you showing yeah, up? Yeah. How, you know what's going on? That's so, um, because it's 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 who I it's who I am. You know, it's mm-hmm. who I am. Absolutely. So, Melissa, where can people find you? Um, what's the best way for them to um stay in touch with you? Yeah, I'm in all the places, all the places. Um, I would say first, I would love for you to find um, as your as people listen to this over the next couple of weeks, um, find the campaign for Jade Simmons. It's OperationRestoration2020.com, um, and just just know that you have options. You know, you vote for who vote for who you want, vote for who you feel like you believe in. You know, most people right now are voting out of fear. All we know that we have to do, we have to get Trump out. You know, we have to get Trump out. They don't even know why they like Biden. They just know they got to get Trump out. But, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say if we repeat what we've always done, we're going to get what we always got, you know? And so um, I would look at, uh, so that's operationrestoration2020.com where you can learn more about Jade Simmons and her policies. Um, And then for me, I'm at um, courageouslifeacademy.com. 
Um, and I'm online everywhere. Melissa J. Nixon, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, all those places. Absolutely. So uh, with that being said, we're going to close, uh, wrap the Take Chances podcast up. This is episode three with Melissa Nixon. Uh, Melissa, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and you know sharing wisdom from everything from you know personal finance to business, how to navigate your career mm-hmm. um, to uh, just your services that you offer in, in relation to leadership coaching, executive coaching, and the importance of voting, um, social justice, all the different things that we talked about on this podcast. And I want to say, take chances to everybody that's listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm.